That's awesome. That's great. Thank you both, Michael and Rachel. That's beautiful. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 1 if you would tonight. I sure appreciate those who have talents and when they share them here at the church with the Lord. You know, from my vantage point, there was a couple times there that I thought it might be entirely possible that Rachel might jab him in the face with that bow. <laughs> I watched his eyes and several times he was looking at her. And I'm sure that had to do with like cadence and count and stuff, but I was just thinking if you wanted to get him, there was your chance. <laughs> and you missed it, so. Well, I'm so glad you're here tonight, and uh, I think all of us really enjoy this kind of unique and festive occasion together. You know, fellowship is a, is a biblical idea. Uh, where we just enjoy each other's uh, company, and are strengthened by that. And we'll look forward to that in just a few moments. Um, tonight I want to talk to you about the theology of Thanksgiving. And so if you don't mind, let's go ahead and stand together. And we're going to begin our reading in the first chapter of the book of Romans. And we'll start our reading, in, uh, let's start at verse 18. And then you might keep your Bible open because uh, we'll really close our thought here in Romans chapter 12 with a text that you're very familiar with. So the Bible tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And this is a very interesting phrase, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So the Bible is making a claim that men, mankind, that they intuitively and instinctively know that there is a God. And it's going to tell us that they know there's a God by the fact that there's a creation. So he's saying that men who reject God on base of this general revelation, that one day they'll be the recipients of wrath for rejecting him. You with me on that? I was out in the woods recently, I was looking at the night sky, and it was magnificent. The Bible says that is a general revelation of God. And so that men are without excuse. And uh, but the Bible's saying here that God's wrath is going to be bestowed, uh, poured out upon men because they had a chance to know him and could start asking questions because of this revelation. And so it goes on to say this. Because that which may be known of God, general revelation, is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How can you miss the night sky? Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. In other words, man, creation demands a creator. And they still chose not to serve him. So they are without excuse. But notice what happens next. Because that, because they're unwillingness to glorify him when they knew that God existed, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Our Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the next moments as we look into your word. Lord, we ask for your help and understanding. Lord, the theology of thanksgiving. Lord, what, what you intend and mean by, Lord, asking us not only just to be thankful, but, Lord, to express thanksgiving to you. And I'm going to ask for your help with this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Romans is an incredible book, a book filled primarily with theology at the beginning and the practical living uh, towards the end. In these pages are many uh, incredible truths and precepts and principles. And in these early verses of Romans, they are highlighted uh, by... Paul expressing his love and heart for Roman Christians. Paul's capacity to love people. 
was demonstrated in his sacrificial service. So we talked about that this past Sunday. Matter of fact, that's a big part of Paul's legacy was the love he had for people, his love for God and how that motivated him. Well, Paul demonstrated this love in the text, chapter 1, by thanking God for the Romans, as he did many of the people he ministered to. Uh, this text says that he prayed for them, that he longed to see them, that he wanted to be able to comfort them. His great desire was to impart his truth, God's truth to them, so they could be helped. And then this, in love, Paul wanted to keep them from this principle of failing to recognize and then live out the reality that there was a God and he had done great good for them. He didn't want people to miss God. In other words, he, he didn't want Christians to um, not translate faith into the rhythms of their life. And I sort of like that phrase, rhythms of their life. In other words, Christianity is, is more than mere belief. It is a faith. It's a faith that translates into the, the rhythms of my life and the ebb and flow of it. In other words, my Christianity shows in the way I walk. It shows in the way I talk. It shows in my disposition. It shows in my deed, in my willingness to forgive and be kind and gracious. And all things that should be part of the fabric of my life. And, and Paul didn't want that missed in these Christians' lives. He wanted them to have a faith that was lived out. Because he understood that a failure to acknowledge God theologically, philosophically, intellectually, emotionally, and practically um, in their life was a danger. Um, as people begin to marginalize God in their life, there are dynamics that, that begin to be played out that he saw as dangerous. He describes it this way. He said that God's reality, his um, general revelation, has been manifest. And that people know there is a God. But he's intimating that it's possible to know there is a God. Now listen, but not honor and glorify that God. And yes, we honor and glorify God uh, in great measure by accepting Christ and, and, and um, accepting that in faith. But Paul really is indicating that he wants something more for people. He wants us tonight to live out the reality of our faith. Uh, what Paul wants is for you and I to manifest our faith in every way that we live our life, in deed and disposition. What is glorifying God? What's he, what's he indicating here? Well, glorifying God is not something we do on Sundays when we sing a song and we feel emotional. Now, that can be part of it, but glorifying God is the way you lived your life today the way you conducted yourself in difficult circumstances, the way you spoke about people who were not present, the way you conducted business ethically or not. You with me? That is how we glorify God in great measure. It's part about how we speak. It is our spirit. And this is a big part of Thanksgiving. It's our spirit. And, you know, do we learn to be content? Are we grateful in all circumstances? You know, or, or is who we are dependent on the circumstance of our life. See, many people fail to honor God in this way. And, and this is what's interesting. Paul describes that condition as, and neither were they thankful. Okay? The idea here is not, they stopped writing thank you notes. That's not the idea. Neither were they thankful. It, it's not that they 
lost the ability to express a measure of gratitude. Gratitude is an appreciation for a gift given. And, and, and even lost people can, can do that. He's not saying these people stop uh, having an appreciation for, for something done for them. What Paul is saying is that to be thankful is something theological. This is the theology of it. When the Bible speaks of thanksgiving, it's really another way of saying worship. Thanksgiving in the Bible is worship. It's worship. As we come to, you know, a life of thanksgiving is one that says thank you, thank you, thank you. A life of thanksgiving is one that understands benefits have been received. And in light of that benefit, I'm going to live a certain way because of it. I get ahead of myself. It's honoring the one who gave the gift. That's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in the book of Psalms, New Testament, is always, always found in association with praise, with sacrifice, with, with, with the worship that was done in the temple. Thanksgiving was a step beyond gratitude. It is worship. Let me say it this way. Gratitude is appreciation for a gift. Thanksgiving is appreciation for the person who gave the gift. Those are different things. In Romans 1, what is happening is people stop um, acknowledging God's gifts and that all he had done for them. And then all of a sudden they stop being thankful. They, start li they stopped living in light of the gifts that God had given. And when people stop acknowledging the Creator with their life, then people are susceptible to live in all kinds of really vile ways. And these next uh, verses, and all of them, describe how people who stop honoring God live, who stop being thankful with their lives, the kind of tragedy of life they can fall into. Again, worship isn't something we do on a Sunday. It's a manner in which we live every day in our life, expressed in deeds, words, attitudes. Um, to be thankful in the Bible, offering thanksgiving, is really to offer our life. I, I'm going I'm to give an illustration that falls way short of this. I'm going to use this vanilla envelope to do it. Um, I think some of you, and I know we have a lot of guests here tonight, but many of you who have been here for a long time, you knew my mom. And my mom was a pretty neat lady. Um, she lived a, a big chunk of her life single. My mom was sort of a, an accounting clerk for probably 30-something years and worked for an oil company in town. I don't know that my mom ever made more than $35,000 in her whole life. And... Uh, but she managed with that to pay off her house. Uh, before she died, she had made every single funeral arrangement possible to, so she didn't inconvenience us at all. And mom had imagined, uh, had, had, was able to put aside some retirement savings. And uh, so <clears throat> mom just didn't want to burden anybody when she was gone. And so, um, of course, my mom, you knew, got sick and she had Alzheimer's. But she had that for a long time, and she still ha had some awareness. And my mom always lamented to me and to my aunt, my sister, that she wished she could have done more for us. And so the way this played out was um, my mom had her house, and she sold it. She, we, you know, she was in assisted living for a while. And mom's retirement in her house was able to make sure that she was taken care of until you know, the day she died. And she had a little bit left. That was a blessing to my sister and I. So um, at my mom's funeral, it's all over. And my aunt, and some of you might know my aunt, 
my mom was a twin. And so my aunt comes up to me, and she's sober, appropriate for the occasion. And she walks up to my sister and I, and she hands us a manila envelope. Okay? Now, it didn't look like, it was actually this size exactly, but it didn't look like this. It looked like a pillow was stuffed inside of it. And I felt it, and it felt sort of like a pillow. And I'm, I'm looking at her perplexed, and now tears are coming out of her eyes. And she said, this is from your mom. And I'm like, well, did she stuff her sweater in here? Like, you know, what's in here? And my aunt didn't say anything. And she just said, Troy, your mom loved you very much. And she hands me the envelope. And so I left. And I, you know, I opened it. And I peeked inside. And it was green. And I'm like, what in the world? And so I get home. And, you know, and it, this was, it was emotional for me when I, when I saw that there was, you know, money in there. So I get home, and uh, I start taking it out. And there's, like, there's fives, and there's tens, and there's twenties. And I start counting, and there was something to the tune of, like, thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 of fives and twenties. How they all got in there, I don't know, but my aunt did it. And so my aunt gives me the story. Your mother was afraid that in her illness that she would spend up all of her money. She said she wanted you and Angie to have something, so for the last 10, 15 years, she would bring over to my house $5 or $10 for both of you. And this is about my mom. Whatever was in this envelope was in my sister's exactly. That was my mom. And every week, she brought over a 5, or a 10, or a 20. And, you know, you, you have to understand the heart of my mom. Also, that she, so she could be a blessing to us when she was gone. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, I kept, this is not it. I kept the manila envelope. And uh, I put that money in a place where... You know, I kind of hope uh, it'll grow forever for her. Um, I'd like for that to be one used, you know, be a gift from my, to me, from my, to my kids, from my mom. Um, but here's the deal. When I think about that, I don't think about the manila envelope or the money that was inside of it. I think about my mom. But more than that, I think about what it took for my mom to do that. And the length of time it would take with fives and tens and twenties to save that kind of money. Now that was, again, I don't even remember the thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars for me, and then for my sister. And so this was like this was a gift for me. It was a gift with me in mind. It was a gift for me that went on for weeks and months and years, unrelenting. It did not stop. And it came from a home of sacrifice. Like, this was not, you know, you put that in other people's dollars, and that's hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. No. This was, my mom was uh, Spartan, and she didn't have a lot. Okay? There are just some gifts. It's not about the gift. It's about the giver. And what that 
did for me, I can't think about that with thinking, well, how generous am I? What, what, you know, in what way am I investing in other people's lives? Because that was just one way that my mom invested in my life. There were thousands. In other words, what she gave me was awesome. But what she demonstrated for me was a love beyond my ability to really comprehend. You know, I, I, thank, my, I thank God for uh, the dollars. But I thank the Lord that he placed someone like that in my life. But what about receiving like that and not being thankful for the one who gave it? See, that's Romans 1. That's Romans 1. And that's like this, like this. And, you know, the, the, the scale doesn't work. What mom did it was like this, but what God did for us is like this. Okay? Now look at me. And neither were they thankful. They didn't, life a, they didn't live a life that honored the vanilla envelope. They don't live a life that honors the cross. They just go about their lives. They do what they're going to do. And their speech is uninformed by the cross. Their attitude is not informed by the cross. How they treat each other isn't informed by the cross. They were just given life and salvation and eternal home in heaven. God's mercies are new every day. The psalm says, and their iniqu- he will not repay them according to their iniquity. Like, you know, if we could just grab the scope and scale here. And then neither were they thankful. Can you see the offense? Can you see, you know, if you, if you looked at me and I, was, I, I, I disregarded the envelope and my mom, you would think, what kind of person could do that? Well, a bad one, an evil one. And evil just sort of begets evil. And so the, the, it's just possible to go down this list of really horrible attributes. You know, if we're not careful to look at the, the one who gave us all things. So why don't you just take your Bibles now and turn to Romans 12. So Romans chapter 1 is a description of the theology of people who are thankless. People who, who don't recognize God's goodness in their lives and then live accordingly as one kind of person. Okay? But Romans chapter 12, so there's chapters 1 through uh, 2 through you know, 11 that are filled with incredible theology. And only 12 to the end kind of goes this practical life application. And it begins with this. Okay? Verse 1 of chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, okay, in light of God's um, general revelation, in light of God's specific revelation, in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us, in light of all the incredible things that God has bestowed you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies, this means the, <clears throat> the manifold mercies, the goodness and grace of God. Now, he doesn't say this, but this is the idea that you be thankful. This verse is the antithesis of the ones found in Romans 1. But what it says is, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living... Next word. This is an act of worship, is it not? God says, in light of all that he has done for us, way beyond the vanilla envelope, God, God thought of you 
in ways exponentially beyond what my mom, the way my mom thought of me, what she did for me, her heart for me over you know, 20 years, 50-something years. In light of that, don't be thankless, but rather present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, and the word there in the Greek service literally means worship. My life is informed by my mother's and her goodness to me, her kindness, her love, as all of you are by your parents. And we too, as the children of God, should live a life informed by our Father's love for us. So Thanksgiving, it gets part of it. You and I should count our blessings and name them one by one. That's we should do that. But there's one specific blessing we should count. And it's the one God gives us. Let me challenge you this. Get beyond the gift in Thanksgiving. Make sure you find your way all the way to the giver. That'll change your life. Get beyond the gift and make sure you get to the giver. And when you do that, you'll be thankful. Because now circumstances won't matter. I have Christ as Savior. I have a home in heaven. He loves me. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. He knows my frame. He cares about me. The number of hairs on my head are numbered. You know, if he can know the names of the constellation of stars, he certainly hasn't forgotten mine. See, that's the key to being thankful, not what you have versus what you don't have. It's just you have him. You have him. So this, this all says, let's be thankful for him. Our Holy Father, we thank you so much for this time together. And Lord, I pray we wouldn't miss Thanksgiving. Lord, that is um, the reasonable sacrifice of a life lived for you. Lord, thankful people don't gripe. Thankful people don't complain. Thankful people don't focus on the negative. Thankful people don't speak evil of others. Thankful people are content. They're happy. They're joy-filled. Thankful people can, can live in the midst of life's negative circumstances, Lord, cheerfully, with endurance and patience. And so, Lord, I, I pray that it can never be said of us, neither were they thankful. Lord, I pray that one day of our life, Lord, would that phrase fit. Now, this past Monday, neither were they thankful. In that difficult circumstance, neither were they thankful. People said bad things, and, and neither were they thankful. Father, I pray we, we, we could 